What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Season Gaming Bitcast, episode 167. I am your host, Mr. <laughs> Ainsley Bowden. Travis is already ready to go. What's happening? Good morning. Getting in the mood, man. McClunky. Got to get yeah. hyped. Big cast this morning. <laughs> you know, it's 8 a.m. I got to psych myself out here on the West Coast. So. Yeah, you got to wake yourself up mentally. I get it. I get it. So how we doing, guys? How we doing? Mr. Dan Rodriguez, Mr. Ty Guy Travis. What's going on? Feeling good. You Dan, you yell at any kids in the neighborhood lately or what's going on with you? No, mostly just people that are you know driving around full-grown adults yeah they're mostly full grown adults. Adults, <laughs> yeah know. it's mostly get off your that's phone good. you idiot why are you driving you know it's stuff yeah. like that you know yeah that's yeah. just me. well you know adult adults need uh need yelling too yelling usually out, more than the children yes absolutely yeah. more than the children it's true because they don't have an excuse like, yeah, this is true you know yeah if the pandemic has taught me anything it's to not care what other people think so i i've been rolling down my windows and full blasting road rage at people what are you doing? Okay, okay. Get off your phones. <laughs> that 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 would be the lesson Dan would take away from COVID. Like, don't be afraid of what other people think. Don't name. be afraid to road rage. Nope, that's right. Yeah. Get your vaccines. Great. PSA. Yes, yes. So good morning, everyone. We um <clears throat> we kind of have a different show for you today. So we're gonna start off with um normal game conversation. We're gonna talk about uh, Call of Duty Vanguard's reveal. Yes, we're going to talk about Halo Infinite, uh, hopefully not for too long, talk about what we've been playing. But then uh, <clears throat> about 25 minutes from now, as we're starting right at uh, halfway through the hour, uh, Dr. Rachel Coert is going to join us. She is the research director at TakeThis.org. Uh, if you follow the channel, you might have seen my interview with her a couple of months ago around all things uh, gaming impacts on mental health. And so we wanted to have her back on the show uh, to talk through some of the things, what she's been up to. Uh, some of her conversations. She does a lot of good work over there at, the, at Take This. And we're just going to um, kind of have a, a conversation, open conversation with her that you are free. Obviously, if you're listening to this later, no. But if you're here in the live chat this morning, uh, you can uh, feel free to ask questions or just kind of get involved in the conversation as well. So uh, should be an interesting one. I'm looking forward to it. Chat, good morning. Good to see everyone. Bomber coming right out of the gate. Right uh, out of the gate. Happy yeah. Big Cast Day. Hashtag cancel halo i'm with you bomber fantastic three dollars don't you start that's all that's all halo deserves don't get dan $3. don't get dan too excited uh, don't get Dan too excited out of the gate here oh it's all right <laughs> thank you bomber appreciate it brother um <clears throat> all right guys so let's talk about uh what we've been playing what do you guys been uh i know ghost of tsushima you know expansion is out dan that's obviously one of your uh you know kind of more recent favorite games you were just talking about Hades as well, uh, Travis. I reviewed Twelve Minutes, so what's good? What's good, Dan? Let's start with Ghost of Tsushima, man. How's the expansion? I mean, it's. I think I'm not super far in, so it's kind of one of those things. <laughs> the fact that you had to start with, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, here's the thing with the DLCs lately, and Assassin's Creed is probably the worst. It's basically adding content just to add content, and and they've changed enough to where it's not Ubisofty. And it's it's actually worth it. I'm not sure the upgrade, that $10 PS5 upgrade, is worth it. It's it, it's the graphics look almost identical. I, I, Joe, Joe said the same thing. He yeah. said like the expansion he's really liking, but the the upgrade is super minimal. Yeah, that the and the uh, the dual sense stuff is is nice. You know, I mean, it's they they did a really good job with that. It's not super invasive, 
and okay. it's you know very it's it's not minimal by any means but it's also it just feels natural which is nice which is what you want you don't want it to be some kind of super overblown stuff but you also don't want it to be you know n- unnoticeable so that was that was maybe worth five bucks <laughs> <laughs> you know so but everything else um i'm not a huge fan of uh uh, hallucination, drug hallucination stuff. So, uh, and in games, not, you mean? In games, yes. Yeah. You know, normally, yeah, shrooms bring them on. It doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> I've done stuff, but you know, it's <laughs> it, it, it's just overplayed. <laughs> I feel like in video games, it's 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 like you know, every Far Cry has it. You know, I feel like every game has to interject a little bit somewhere along the line. And I mean, this one just basically starts off with that, and it's it's just super annoying. Just let me play the game as you know intended. Mm. You know, I understand, you know, what they're trying to do, but I don't know. I think it's just kind of overused. So, but otherwise, it's it's what's really good about it is the story. It's it's kind of delving into Jin's backstory and his family and okay. uh really going into that. So that's actually part of the, the best part so far. But again, okay. I've only played a couple hours, so is the no, island sure. piece? I've heard it's about a third of the size or a quarter of the size yeah. of, the, of the main it's, island. It's is about it the size of the third part of the island? I guess so. <laughs> is Tra- Travis you going to be with us yeah. for the whole show? Or are they coming that to get was, you? Uh, uh, please, I hope not. Please break in. <laughs> I'm still um, free, man. Is it exactly? Is it the same type of um, environments as the original island, or did they yeah. introduce anything new? Yeah, there's a few places that you know you kind of get to in the first. You know, most of it's the same. There are some like small parts of the island that you're like, whoa, this is gorgeous. Like there's these trees that have these really bright violet flowers on it. And and they like you when you walk into that, you're just like, dang man, this is crazy looking. Mm-hmm. You know, but for the <clears throat> most part, it's very, very similar. Um I know, there's a lot more shoreline, like, you know, being an island, you know. <laughs> so that's that's I noticed that right off the bat. Um, and also horse armor, which is awesome. And you know, is it six dollars? No, we've come full circle. It's okay, thirty dollars. So <laughs> we've come full circle from from you know uh, Libyan horse armor. Yeah. Now we have it in Ghost of Tsushima. So uh, it's actually pretty cool. They've added a few mechanics, like you know, being able to run people over with your horse in the armor, and that's okay. awesome. Okay, but the first time you do it, you're just like, oh yeah, <laughs> suck it. Um. God, it's oblivion horse armor. is just a funny conversation. Thinking oh, back fantastic. to those those times, fifteen years. Simpler ago. times when we were yeah. mad about horse armor, and now in retrospect, yeah, with many of us, that. myself included, mm-hmm. saying, "Why would you ever pay money for digital goods?" And yeah. look at where we are today. I bought it day one. <laughs> <laughs> so but, so uh, did I. Horse armor, you guys are. I, I remember Todd Howard semi-recently year or two talking about how many people actually bought that i know it was real small it was like two percent or something of players like people people don't really interact with games like not like Like that now now it seems like a microtransaction that like if you put it in a game it would be fairly innocuous but at the time it was like oh my god how dare they do this yeah it was it was kind of ridiculous so good morning chat good to see everyone marion good morning or afternoon from europe big mad mo in the house what's going on guys Travis, you're talking about Haiti still, man. You you still yeah. kind of stuck on it in a it's, good way. I mean, it's, it's got me in, man. Yeah. yeah, in a good way. I think I've done like 20 or so successful runs out of like wow. so like I'm okay. I'm like I'm like post credits and they still give you more stuff to do and like yeah it, it just can't get like enough. Huh? The, yeah, man. Like I just, I'm just like I'll be like I'll I'll sit down I'll play for like 30 minutes and then I'll get back to work and then I'm like 
four hours later, I'm like, oh no, what have I done? I'm like, you know, I did like six runs or whatever, and I just can't, I can't bring myself to stop. So I've been doing that. Uh, what are the games that I've been playing? Um, oh, I got to the title screen of 12 minutes, which, uh, yeah, that's as far as I've gotten on that game. Have I haven't yeah, that gotten one, past that yet, huh? I, I, I still, yeah, obviously I'm going to play it. Uh, but yeah, my, my, uh, all my buddies said like, oh, it sucks. So I was just like, what? Oh, Come on. well, that's unexpected. So no. I, uh, yeah, I, I haven't, <clears throat> I, I sort of like put it off of my, um, off of my, uh, my like priority list right okay. off of that. But I definitely, I want to play it. I'm going to play it uh, probably today. I'm, um, I'm actually really interested to hear your thoughts on it. Um, because I'll, prob- I'll probably like it more than my friends. My friends are like the types of gamers where they don't like like puzzles in games. They're oh, like, oh it's you- got puzzles, and I'm just yeah. like, all right, well, like you're, yeah, obviously you're not gonna, <laughs> you're probably not gonna like the no, game. Then it no. seems like it's a puzzle game. So, no, there's, uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's, we joked last week, right, about hand holding. Um, the game tells you nothing. I mean, you have cool. to, you have to figure it out. Uh, it's, it's very much, and I wrote this in my review, right? It. It took me back to the days of the 80s and 90s of click and point adventure games um, where like you just have to experiment, right? Can I do this and see what happens when you do it? And yeah. you just keep doing that in a cycle. And, and I think the most intriguing part of the game or the, the thing that really hooks you or hooked me anyway, is when you do experiment and you do something and it and it does either progress the story or it, it makes you think of something else new to try. You're like, Oh, that works. And now I can maybe do this. Right. And it's like this domino effect of trying to figure out how to, how to progress. Now, I, there are some frustrations in that because as you're doing that, the game keeps restarting. So you're like, okay, yeah. I need to, I need to do X, then Y, then Z, then Q, then P, you know, and keep trying things. And, um, but the, the story is really interesting. I think too, I, I gave it a 7.5. Uh, I know a few people who have it really high up, and then I know a few other people who hated it. So it seems to be one of those very divisive yeah, games. Uh, uh, immediately, it was like, all right, I wasn't expecting that. There was so much hype for this game, and it seems pretty divisive. So. Yeah, I think it. Uh, no, Darwin, it's not time. My cat is trying to join the show. Um, <laughs> I think uh, it's just the type of game it is. It, it's a very yeah. different game mechanically uh, than most games today. It's not, it's not something you go in and have, and talk about how fun the gameplay mechanics are, right? Yeah. It's not that type of game. Did you seriously just sneak around to the other side? How, lo- how long is it by the way? The game? Um, so minutes. I, I beat it in maybe, uh, let's see. I, I think I put six to eight hours in my review in general. Now there's, there's multiple endings, so depending on how much you want to do, if you want to get the other achievements, some of the achievements are kind of obscure. So, yeah, I mean, you could probably beat it in four if you race through it. Obviously, there's a big difference if you're going to look up what you have to do versus figure it out, because some of the things can be a little obscure. And like I was in party chat with a few people last night who are like pretty far in the game. Um, and but they're just stuck. And I'm like, I, I you know, I know what you have to do, but I don't want to tell you you know what i mean all right yeah i probably will not get stuck would be my guess but yeah oh the, whoa, okay the people i, the people I just because like puzzle like puzzle <laughs> games are you i know out, i but, know you got it you already got it figured out i know oh yeah you're yeah, a hipster I, I, here you know figured that figured out how to get past the the, the menu the opening menu i haven't yet uh yeah and then i guess <laughs> the other game i played this past week was recompile which uh, i did the review for ign you gave it a gave six it a, i saw gave it a six yeah it, it's yeah. kind of like oh it's a platformer have you ever played a metroidvania before this is that that's, okay that's my review is that it's just like nothing I, that makes it stand out it's a four-hour game that afterward you're like all right that was cool 
That was a game. Yeah, yeah. that was that was a game. Yeah. <laughs> Next, so, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Well, uh, why don't we move over to a couple topics just before Rachel joins us here in about 15 minutes' time? Um, so Call of Duty Vanguard, we got the reveal this week. Um, I wanna I wanna kind of give my thoughts on this because it ties into the whole Halo thing, which we'll get to, which is Am I the only one? And I know I'm not the biggest Call of Duty fan, so let me preface it with that. But I, I'm 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 at the stage of my gaming life where if you're gonna broadcast a big reveal and all you show me is a three minute cinematic trailer that shows literally no gameplay, I, I don't really have time for it. I'm just I'm out of patience with that. If this was something that came like six months ago and it was like, here's our vision for Call of Duty Vanguard. And now, a couple months before launch, we're getting gameplay. I'm all good. But for this to be the first thing we see, and then for them afterwards to say, we'll talk more about the actual game a couple weeks before launch, is huh. that yeah. that's just ridiculous to me. Uh, I, I I tired of it, honestly. This did nothing for me. I mean, the trailer was great, as it always is. Call of Duty always has a big, bombastic trailer, right? Very action. Uh, it's like your summer popcorn movie. But that doesn't do anything for me, gameplay-wise. Yeah, I think the cinematics are fine uh, if it wasn't the Call of Duty game, like you said. You know, if it was like a brand new IP where you're, you know, and you want to show, like Fable, you know, when they showed that. Yes. You know, maybe it's not a new IP. Because you're setting a tone, right? right. Like yeah. Call of Duty, we already know what the tone is. It's yeah, the same we know every what's year. what's happening. Yeah, so, so whatever it was that they tried to do, they failed at it. And if you're going to come out and, you know, between... I mean, it was a ballsy move to do, I mean, given the, the, the circumstances now at Activision. And so, and that's not saying that, you know, I'm proud of what they did. You know, I mean, I'm not saying, oh, yeah, you guys, you know, that took a lot of guts. No, <laughs> you know, that, no, it, it's, I can't believe that they didn't wait a little bit longer and then show the cinematics and the gameplay. But if we were looking at weeks prior to launch, I mean... I mean, where are we at with Call of Duty? Where it's, we, I mean, it's, it's only what are we at right now? It's only six weeks to launch. Yeah, that's insane to me. Insane. So, I mean, I, I've I've been done with Call of Duty for a long time. Uh, I've I've loved running <laughs> campaigns normally, but now, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's they're a mess. They're just a mess. I wish, I wish they could just decide on where what era they want to stay into. I mean, it's just it's all over the place. No well, and I, I I don't know. I think. Travis, I don't know if you have a different perspective, but I think the other thing with the era too is like, okay, they they shift errors every year to try and keep it fresh, but that's not what makes a game fresh. What makes a game fresh are mechanics, gameplay styles, the way you can approach situations, and that's always the same in those games. I mean, they feel so samey. Um, so it's like, okay, we're back to World War II, but it's still Call of Duty. Um, and I realized I said earlier this week in a conversation with someone else that I, I think Call of Duty kind of holds that place for many like Madden does for some others and FIFA does for some others where it's like annual comfort food. It's like this is the thing once a year I buy with my friends and we don't think about it. We just play it and have fun. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I just it, it doesn't do anything for me personally. Yeah. Um, well, for for the trailers thing, I think. Uh... Cinematic trailers certainly have a place. Like, sure. like you guys said, you can use them for like explaining what, what the game is going to feel like. Um, in Call of Duty's case, I think it's probably more about like the premise they're going for, right? So well, what do we get out of this? We got it's World War II. We're going to be fighting on, on every front of the war. 
which tells me that the campaign's probably going to have like a vignette kind of feel where battlefield you know, one maybe different character yeah like a battlefield one situation um so that that is all cool like you know it doesn't personally get me excited but it it shows what the game is going to be about so i think it serves a purpose i think the bigger issue is you know they're showing they're going to show gameplay so close to the game coming out does that mean that are they're impacted by covid and they're just sort of running behind and this game is has, has kind of like uh uh timing issues where where maybe it should get delayed and and it's going to kind of get forced out the door if that's the case that's kind of scary or or maybe it's uh Maybe it's just the fact that they don't really need to show gameplay because we all know exactly what Call of Duty is going <laughs> to play like. Maybe, maybe yeah. that's really what it comes down to. Where like all they have to really do is show the the idea, and if you if you like Call of Duty and you like their World War II games, you'll buy it, and if you don't, you probably won't. And so yeah. it's sort of just them them saying, "Yeah, I think I think we're all good here. Like this is not a game that needs a lot of like explanation for how it's different than and that sort of thing." Uh, so I, I don't know, but yeah, obviously. I'm sort of with you guys in terms of like Call of Duty. Like it's not, it's not my game. I play it every year. I, I usually get through the campaign, but I, I don't play multiplayer. It's not, uh, you know, the, the hill I've chosen to die on uh, per se. But I, like I said, I have a lot of casual friends who hate games like 12 minutes because they have puzzles sure. and, and they always play Call of Duty. Yeah. So I'm sure, I'm sure they're waiting for this game to come out and, uh, of course. and, and get on them. I'll, I'll probably pick it up, you know, when it's cheaper and play through the campaign. Yeah. But, uh, if it if it has one, which it does, I think it, it does. does. Yeah. You play as uh, actual different protagonists again. The whole vignette thing. I think there's four different protagonists you play as, yeah. uh, in different stories. So uh, as Jordan says in the chat too, and we joked about this with uh, Faz, who I think is in the chat as well, and did our review for Cold War last year. She couldn't even finish the review because the campaign was broken. You couldn't finish it. Um, so. I, I think, you know, we talked before about the, you know, the different years in the studios and the three studios making Call of Duty. And then when that got thrown into flux last year or year and a half ago, maybe because of the pandemic, maybe because of other stuff, who knows? It's kind of it's kind of thrown a wrench into Call of Duty's annual shift of release for each three studios. And it's, you know, I can only imagine what goes on behind the scenes with like seven studios working on one game that's being rushed, you know, and has to release at a certain point and yeah it's yeah. probably i can only imagine yeah anyway i'm not picking it up call of duty it'll still sell 20 million copies so it is what it is um all right that takes us to halo so we've got eight minutes in theory before rachel gets here and i've got a lot to say about halo hold on, hold on hold on let me just say this uh-huh uh i don't care <laughs> I'm well, totally no, no, fine Dan, with everything we, that happened. Yeah, because I'm gonna be playing solo. Yeah, but, I know you don't care. I know you yeah, don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. <laughs> you. But I, I, I would like to hear your perspective on whatever what I say, along with whatever yes. Travis's thoughts are. Because Travis and I have not talked about this prior, by the way. All right. So, um, allow me a few minutes, guys, if you don't mind. Go right all right. So if you didn't hear uh, the latest update from 343 yesterday, they did about a 25 minute video uh, talking about the multiplayer flight, what's to come in future multiplayer flights, et cetera. And then, um, you know, the uh, Joseph Staten came out that basically the, the head of, uh, you know, creative director right now of Halo and said that campaign and multiplayer are rock solid for launch, but they're in a shutdown mode, which is polish and bug fixing now, 
for those things. Because of that, they've made the tough decision to delay campaign co-op to three months post-launch, around three months post-launch, and Forge until around six months post-launch. This went nuts yesterday on social media. Um, and again, let's let's recognize the fact that that's an echo chamber, right? The millions and millions of people who are going to play Halo and pump for Halo don't even know this is going on, right? This is the echo chamber online that we're part of. So first, let me say, um, the, the, the childish behavior and reactions by some people in this community are just absurd. You are grown men, for God's sakes. Um, like, what are you doing? If this is the most important thing you have in your day is to get online and freak out and, you know, make videos and argue with people that campaign co-op in a video game is not coming three until three months after launch, reevaluate your life's priorities. Okay, because it's just that's meaningless. Um, the second thing, and, and that ties into the whole transparency angle, right? We always talk about wanting studios to be transparent. Uh, you know, everyone cries for that. Tell us, communicate with the community, communicate with us, tell us what's going on, tell us. 343 has done that arguably better than any company this year. They literally have updates almost every week from their community manager. Uh, you know, Unishex out there, sketches out there. Um, they have a monthly full long update of specific angles of Halo Infinite. They've had an open beta or a, uh, a beta test, which they allowed people to stream, make videos of, you know, there was nothing hidden about it. Uh, by the way, I'll remind everyone that just three weeks ago, we were talking about how amazing Halo Infinite is, right? Uh, and how well it plays. <clears throat> Call of Duty has shown us a cinematic trailer and nothing else. Battlefield had one beta. <clears throat> hashtag unplayable that you're not even allowed to talk about. Okay. Those games launch in a few weeks. Good luck. Um, Halo has been, or three, four, three has been fully transparent about this. Now, the other thing that this ties to is the most egregious things I've seen are people taking shots at three, four, three, um, which again, stop it. You're not children. Um, three, four, three, is a super, super talented studio with a lot of people who adore and love Halo probably more than you do and want nothing more than to see this game be the best it can be. Um, and may I remind you that among at least a large percentage of the community, because we talk about this all the time, Halo 4 is arguably the best Halo campaign. Halo 5 is arguably the best uh, Halo multiplayer, both created by 343. Now, we've said before, the total package is a whole nother discussion, but this, this mindset of Bungie being this, you know, perfect being with their Halo games is so far-fetched and, and just pure wrong. I have no idea where people get this notion. Halo 2 had a third of its campaign cut that we've never played. Literally, Bungie has talked about this. They cut a third of that campaign out to, to meet release. Um, and that campaign was criticized heavily at launch. Halo Reach almost destroyed Halo. The multiplayer was so broken at launch and so divisive that you would have thought there was a civil war going on in the community. Like, people don't remember these things now, but they happened. Bungie made plenty of mistakes with Halo along the way. Um. Actually, the Halo developers have a joke, which is, what is the worst Halo game? The most recent one. The most recent one, exactly yeah. right. Um, now, campaign co-op and Forge are definitely definitely meaningful things to Halo. They are. 
Um, they're, they're big features. They're a big part of the community. And I realized, of course, that the expectation was uh, that they would be there at launch. And so I get the disappointment. But acting like this is some critical thing that the game has to be delayed for and 343's failed and all these things is just absurd. Campaign co-op is a minor, minor percentage of the people that play this game. No matter how many people are yelling on your timeline about, I always play co-op. Uh, no, you don't. Because uh, the data is there. Dan and I always talk about having the real data. They have the data. They know how many people play these things. It's not that high. It's less than 10%. In most cases, it's less than 5%. So let's not act like this is some gigantic miss. And frankly, if you're one of those people that says delay the whole game because I want to play co-op, don't play it for three months. You have that option. You don't have to play it. Take your time. Um, let's not also forget, there's a whole other things like uh, when people say delay the game. And I'll, I'll wrap up here in a second. They're also missing all the business aspects, right? There are marketing deals that have already gone into effect uh, that are already paid for worth millions or tens of millions of dollars. There's production on merchandise and things that'll be launching already launched and launching over the next few months. There's things with um, food companies that'll be that we saw last year, right? Like monster energy, Doritos, et cetera. Those things are done well in advance and they already lost a ton of money on them last year. Um, those are all coming and already planned. So it's not as simple as just saying, a feature is not ready. We're going to delay this game. It, it makes it's literally just showing your ignorance of the how production on games works. Um, I could keep going. I've already gone for a few minutes. I'll stop. There's a there's a bunch of other things I could say, but the long and the short of it is the vast vast majority of people are going to love this game at launch, assuming it launches well, right? The campaign and multiplayer have to be very good. Um, it's going to be on PC console for the first time. Cross play, cross save. Uh, this is going to be incredible. Delaying a game for two features makes zero sense whatsoever. And I'm, I think it's ridiculous, the conversation that unfolded yesterday. Sorry, I took a lot of extra time there. Travis. Nice. Yeah, um, I also have opinions on this uh, that the internet <laughs> seems to not agree with. Uh, but yeah, that, but like in, in the way I see it, like 343, first of all, yeah, totally. Like 343 is being transparent. Uh, they're trying to make a game too. I get it. Um, but, but the, like, they're kind of just responding to how the industry works now. Right. Like, like games don't are like, whether you love it or hate it, games don't ship with everything in them. That's just the case now. And if it were, you know, back in the Xbox 360 or the original Xbox days and they were shipping Halo one or Halo two. Yeah. They would probably need to build out every feature of the game before they put it out there because, updates were less common and and you know you were playing off of a disc and that sort of stuff but it's just not the way it works anymore like this game is going to evolve they're going to get uh new maps and new modes and all this stuff is going to be added to the game there will probably be balanced patches on in the campaign and all that stuff and uh that the fact that you know campaign co-op and uh forge aren't in the game first of all forge not being in the original game is like classic halo i mean that we're i feel like we're always waiting on forge we definitely did with halo 5 you know it wasn't there at launch no uh, and yet halo 5's forge is considered the best ever because they took the time to continue yeah. to develop those tools yeah and i think uh i think halo 5 guardians has evolved over you know since it launched into a, an incredibly successful platform for halo mcc i mean that game would have basically not existed had they not worked on it so um i def i definitely think obviously cool cooler heads should prevail here 
on a personal note, I kind of like the fact that campaign co-op isn't going to be the game at launch. And this is something I tweeted that uh, I got, you know, just people were really, really mad at me on Twitter about this. People I don't know uh, tweeting <laughs> me and, and being really, really upset about this. As soon I'm as saying, you said that, I knew you were going to invite some uh, interest. Oh, I mean, people. I mean, I, I kind of knew it too, but like th that is my opinion. And honestly, like it has not, uh, it has not changed at all. Uh, like I, I get the argument, right? Like I say, I personally don't want campaign co-op in, in the game at launch. And I'm kind of glad that it's not. And the reason is because I want to play the Halo campaign by myself and enjoy it and understand the story and all that stuff first before I bring in my friends and have to listen to Dan eat a sausage over Mike and all that stuff that you know I'm gonna have to do when when I when I when I play it online. And uh and and other people are saying, like, okay, well, Travis, if you don't want to play campaign co-op, like don't play it, you know, like just play solo and then and then you can Obviously, yeah, but here's the thing. When you put campaign co-op in a game, all of a sudden it becomes more complicated. You have people, you know, drop into your campaign or they're hitting you up on party invite and be like, oh, just play with, with me just right now. And then we'll do, you know, it becomes, it becomes social just by the fact that it's an option. And then you, you end up having to go back and play it solo later. And so I'm, I'm, I like that. It's like forcing us to all just like, play the, the campaign in a balanced way by yourself, understand the story. And then later they'll introduce campaign co-op and then you'll have, you know, three or four master chiefs all, you know, de destroying enemies and teabagging and stuff like that. But it doesn't really make, it doesn't make for the most like sterile, enjoyable campaign environment. If you have friends that are able to just like drop in, drop out and are talking to you on mic and all that stuff. And I kind of like that it's not going to be an option at the beginning yeah. that's just my personal take like i would have tried to play it alone in me too. Co -op anyway me too uh i would have tried and i and try is is the operative word that's why i like that they're not giving me a choice because it's kind of like forcing me to just like enjoy it for what it is initially uh well yeah, and, yeah. and if you look to that point if you listen to 343 that's part of the problem with them tuning co-op because this campaign is so different from other <laughs> ones right being open yeah. world that they explain that part of the problem is exactly that is like, they don't know they're trying to make sure checkpoints are functioning properly and save yep. progress. And people can go off and do their own things completely independent and let them get it right. Like you don't want, why would you want them to force something to launch? That's kind of half messy when you can just yeah. let them get it right. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think more importantly, it's not, it's not essential to the game. Like, no, yeah, has not every, at all. Has every, has every other halo game launched with campaign co-op? Like, absolutely. But this is a very different game and let's just give them a chance. I don't think there's a reason in getting angry or pretending like, you know, more about their game than they do. And therefore, you know, if it should be uh, delayed based on this one feature, uh, honestly, I'm more upset that like uh, Forge is not in the game at launch because mm -hmm. Forge is so awesome. But I mean, six months waiting for, I, I would say Forge is like an extremely optional feature for like a Halo game launching. And also this game is, I mean, it's called Halo Infinite. Their whole plan is to evolve this as like a Halo platform for years in the future. And so yeah. it's like if you if you weren't expecting them to sort of like give us a little bit now and expand it, like you haven't been listening to what 343 has been saying for the better part of like two or three years that this has been their messaging the whole time. So, yeah. again, I could also go on. But uh, yeah, I guess people online really have opinions about Halo. And uh <laughs> I, 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 I'm actually surprised this blew up as much as it did, to be honest. Especially Me too. I didn't think anything of it when I first read it. I was like, oh, okay. 
I was like, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It's, it's pandemic. It's the development's tough. The game's huge. It's a new engine, you know, I mean, there's a lot of factors here. Okay. Big deal. I mean, I I knew obviously I was inviting like people who have opinions on the internet because when you tweet something like that, but I was just surprised by like the movement, like people want Halo to get canceled or get delayed or whatever. And I'm just like, I, I don't understand that. Like let the developer do their thing. They made the game, not you. Like, We'll we'll judge it once we have it in our hands. But Correct. until then, like let them do what they're doing, man. It's their yeah. it's their game. So mm-hmm. great, yeah. Dan. So real, you want to do the super chats real fast? Then yeah, I'll let's get the super chats real fast. Go All for right. it. Fat boy horror, five pounds. Preach, brother Ains. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, man. Five dollars from Dan Lazaro. Ains is speaking hundred percent truth. Grown men are being babies right now. <laughs> they need to go out and touch some grass. Every poll is seventy percent. Don't care about co-op. Fantastic comment. Thank Touch you, sir. some grass is my favorite. Touch way some to grass. Yeah. And five dollar, ten dollar, Mariano Pampa. I stand with Dan. I don't care. Give me a Halo, or give me Halo. You guys are making too much sense. Stop it. Appreciate it, guys. Appreciate really it. Do. Um, now, bear in mind, Mariano. When I say I don't care, it's not because I don't care about what everybody's saying. I literally don't care about Halo enough to get involved. <laughs> I have Halo muted in my muted words. So I had to look this up and see what everybody was up, you know, going crazy. This is what happens on my Twitters. Yeah. Um, You're but, missing out on all that hot angel content right? muting Halo. No, I muted Halo. I, I don't see any of this stuff. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> Here's the thing. I, all, I've I've only ever played really campaign. I've never played co-op campaign. I've never played. I mean, I played Forge with the kids back in the day, but now they're all grown, so it's not gonna. It's not a huge deal. Um, I don't. Dan's, Dan's I'm not bad, invested. I think is the takeaway from this. Yeah, I mean, it, it's no. one of those things where I'm just not invested in the game enough to care. But I'm just glad I'm gonna be able to play an open world Halo campaign at launch that's at, my you, at your thing. pace taking the story right. how you do whatever want it. i want to do yeah yeah and that's 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 the most important thing and multiplayer is going to be there for everybody i mean that's the biggest that's the part. key yes right so we've got the basically two parts you know and this isn't excuse me like call of duty where you're going to get like a two-hour campaign and then you know you're on to the multiplayer if that's you know this is yeah you know, I'm the multiplayer that feels the same as the multiplayer the past right. nine years i'm expecting a really good campaign. I'm ex- expecting, you know, really good gameplay, um, and I'm I'm excited for it. Even not being a Halo Infinite fan, so this this whole thing is just you know noise to me, and I ignore it most of the time. Uh, you didn't even have to say to you. It's just yeah, noise. It's just noise. So I mean, just just let's just play some games, guys. I mean, get over this. You know, I mean, yeah. there, there, it, it's I don't know what it is because I didn't see all the arguments and people getting upset. So you guys explained it. It's crazy to me, but not surprising. Crazy, but not surprising. Yeah, exactly it's, right. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, yep. Sad yeah. Twitter. Yes. All right. So um, now that we got that off our chest, um, we're going to move nice. on to the other part of the show, as I previewed earlier. So, um, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Doctor Coart is uh, ready to come in, and so we're going to bring her in now and have a, a a more much much more meaningful conversation than campaign co-op in halo Mm. um (laughs) that won't be very difficult (laughs) good morning good morning halo's important halo's meaningful (laughs) true so much i don't know how much he paid you to be on here 
Dr. Richard Cord, <laughs> but uh, understand that it's not. It's, it's okay. <laughs> I'm there with you. How you doing? Doc, doctor's in the house. Yeah. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's I'm caffeinated. I'm awake. Yeah, so that's exactly what I've got going here as well. Yes. We were um, just having our group therapy session about Halo. So Yes, I did. I, I popped in. I caught the, the tail end of that. I feel there's a lot of emotion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ains is going through some yeah. stuff. He's processing he things. Yeah. I've heard, yeah, yeah, I'm actually fine. Yeah. yeah, I've got the shield up. I'm trying to trying to protect people. You know, I don't know. Um, but no, thank you for um, thank you for joining us this morning. Um, I uh, I've been looking forward to this. Obviously, um, you know, for those of you that follow the channel, you know that Rachel and I spoke uh, like I said a couple months ago, and I would encourage you to check that interview out as I really enjoyed it. Um, but I figured what we would do today is really uh, kind of touch base. Obviously. Um, you know, there's a broader community that watches BitCast and listens to this afterwards. So one, I think that'll help get, uh, you know, more eyes on your work, which I think is really important. Um, <clears throat> but also, I figured we could have an open conversation between Travis, Dan, myself, and anyone in chat who, uh, yeah. you know, just wants to bring anything up um, or even pose any questions to you, if you don't mind being put on the spot a little bit. So. Sure. Um, but first, before we do that, so, uh, and I know, again, you and I have talked about this, but for the audience, um, <laughs> so you are the research director, uh, uh, specifically for digital games at takethis.org. Um, and if you want to just speak a little bit to your background in kind of that field, uh, I think that could be beneficial if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. I am a research psychologist, so I do research. I don't do, um, therapy, although I have a master's in counseling psychology. And I work for Take This, which is the first mental health nonprofit that serves the gaming community and the gaming industry. So we aim to destigmatize mental health challenges and provide information and resources. I love what Travis was talking about earlier. You don't know the games better than the developer knows the games. We do a lot of outreach for people in the industry. Um, providing support for that exact <laughs> that exact issue uh, of <laughs> people on the internet think they know more uh, than the people who are making the game. So yeah, I've been studying games and gamers for about 10 years um, with a specific focus on media effects. So how games impact us physically, socially, and psychologically. Wow. Yeah. So That's serious stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of uh, the, education. The, the yes, tone yes. has changed dramatically. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's I, I, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, let's, uh, so why don't Please? we go ahead and, yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. Yeah, um, if I could start. Uh, yeah, so come. yeah, this, this is fascinating to me. This is one of those things that, like, I think about a lot, but I have, like, absolutely no, like, uh, <laughs> you know, no basis for my, like, theories or, like, understanding of it. So it's, it's kind of nice to have somebody who, uh, has, has dedicated so much of their life to this. By the um, way, we finally have some class in Big Cast. I like it, Eva. Thank you. Right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. she's, she's got the bookshelf, too. The bookshelf behind is, like, very, like, CNN. You know, all, everybody who appears on CNN has, Dude, like, I a have book. a controller pillow. Come yeah. on. Yeah, that's the thing. If, I have if you're stuffed on a, animals. I have stuffed animals, too. <laughs> if you're a streamer, you, it's all, like, action figures behind you. And yeah. if you're if you're on CNN, it's books. So I'm, I'm kind of uh, <laughs> jealous of that. I, I'll have to take this podcast to my book room. It's over there. There you go. Um, my book room. <laughs> yeah, I've got bookshelves, I promise. So. <laughs> just not here. Uh, but, yeah, the uh, one of my questions was just about, like, the, the nature of escapism and as mm -hmm. like a healthy coping mechanism. Cause like my dad 
was very disappointed that I came out the way I did as a nerd because he's like this big, like ripped dude, like toxic masculinity personified, just like that sort of guy. And, uh, you know, seeing, seeing somebody like me, whose, whose go-to move was, you know, when I was getting bullied in school or whatever the heck was happening to me, uh, growing up was to just like play a video game and, and, or, you know, D and D or something like that to sort of escape. Um, and, and since that's something that you cover, my my families uh, and some of my friends too. Their perception was that escapism was kind of an unhealthy coping mechanism because mm-hmm. you're running from your problems and that sort of thing. And to a certain degree, that's probably true if you're taking it so far that you're kind of neglecting your personal health or your relationships with others. And so I'm wondering, just w- what is sort of the line of of video games being a healthy coping mechanism for escapism versus being an unhealthy thing that you're sort of uh, you know, uh, neglecting oneself or, yeah. or one's life. Is that great question? I always, I always think about that all the time. Like, am I going too far with with my video games, or is this like a healthy amount? So, yeah. Well, what's really interesting is that escapism with games are viewed differently than escapism into other things. And I talked about this with Ains last time. Yeah, uh, I was talking about how I was escaping into The Witcher because I was <laughs> late to the game uh, with The Witcher Netflix series, and when I found it, I was like in it for like two days and I watched it all. Um, And that's fine, right? That's not seen as something that's a problem. But if I'm escaping into, you know, Legends of Zelda for two days, then that's a problem and there's something weird and there's something wrong going there. So just generally, video games have a bad rap. They're actually very good for escapism purposes, for stress release, for taking a break from from everyday life, for releasing endorphins, for doing something playful, just like it is to watch uh, a Netflix series. So in that sense, the function is the same. When does it become a problem? Well, then we start talking into problematic use, which we could talk about again in regards to anything, not just playing video games. But when you start to neglect other areas of your life, then it might be a problem. So if you are neglecting your uh, physical health, your psychological well-being, your social life, your work, your education, then it's you have to take a look and say, okay, is this becoming a maladaptive coping strategy? Am I using games in a way that's now harming me in other areas of my life? Or did I just have a bad day and I want to go home and I want to kill some zombies? Because there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, I, I think that's something that uh, maybe people who use escapism as a coping mechanism would have hard to identify, have a hard time identifying. Because in a certain sense, anytime you're playing video games, which is a purely recreational activity, you're neglecting your life in some sense. It's just a kind of matter of like balancing that, like how much is... Exactly. A good amount to neglect, I guess. Well, yeah. Well, it's about, is it detrimentally impacting you? Are you not showing up to work? Are your friends like, hey, I haven't seen you in a really long time? <laughs> like, well, I mean, not COVID times, but um, yeah. you know what I mean. So yeah, yeah, of course, it's a balance. There's, they call it an inelasticity of time, right? Time is not elastic. You have so much time in the day and you, you choose to spend it in certain ways. But if you're, yeah, like calling in sick to work or not turning in your school assignments or not bathing properly, like then it's starting to become something to think about. Yeah, I think most gamers already have the not bathing properly. <laughs> no, no. Have you been to a convention? I <laughs> have. Need a, they need I to have. lean into that speed stick, let me tell you. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, so, you know what? In that vein, doctor, um, what are some, I guess, maybe warning signs? I mean, I've got five kids, so... You know, I've been, you know, they run the 
age from 14 to 24? Like, are there any like warning signs that people can look for outside from the obvious, you know, you know, not showering or, you know, <laughs> shunning any, you know, anything in grass, basically, you know, like one yeah. of our commenters says, is there anything like maybe more subtle that people can look for to maybe see when that becomes an imbalance, I guess, when the, when the balance gets out of whack a little bit? I mean, it's, it's, it's not so much a fine line as it is. It's a quite dramatic line. So okay. I think an important thing to think about is the difference between increased engagement and problematic use. So during Christmas holidays, when you get the new Ninja Turtle arcade game for your NES and you're loving it, right? <laughs> that's increased engagement. You're playing more. You're playing more during COVID quarantine, most likely. You're playing more during summer vacation. That's not something to worry about. What's something to worry about is if you are not meeting your other needs in other areas of your life. Okay. That's really the line. So I, I actually, I have a YouTube channel called Psychgeist where I do um, little short videos. I have one about escapism because I do get that question. A lot okay. of people have that question actually. Uh, but there's one also about problematic use and addiction because I think it is a, a large concern, especially during COVID this last year when kids have been playing more games. But it really is, is it negatively impacting all areas of their life for an extended period of time, because there's no evidence to suggest that games are themselves a problem. It's more, are you using games in a problematic way? And then you have to kind of tease out what is underlying that. Is it increased stress? Is it bullying at school? Um, is it depression? What are games? What purpose are they serving? Because it's not the games that are the issue. It's the games are the strategy that have then become a problem. Yeah. So, yeah, I think um, one of the things I was going to ask you uh, further along those lines, Rachel, is about in this time, right, um, in the pandemic time, we've seen a lot more people engaging with games, as you said. Yeah. And I think many of us, Dan, myself, and I know you as well with with children, um, you know, my youngest is now 16, so he's not very young anymore. But, uh, you know, within, within his age group, right, the teenagers, like the, the way that they gather socially now is just through games you know i mean the vast vast majority of the time uh they're playing games online and always in a party together a discord or something right that's just how they hang out um what are your thoughts or studies you know what what's kind of the consensus or is there a consensus on on that do is the social impact of gaming together chatting together remotely kind of the same mentally do we know long term as getting together with family and friends in real life right is that a is that a one-to-one -one or are there differences <laughs> that we found yeah well i'm not sure it's a one-to-one -one, but there has been research looking at the impact that that has on us psychologically and it's yeah. generally very positive uh okay. there's been a lot of discussion about games have been the saving grace over the last year because yeah. it's social and it's playful and it's easily accessible and there's something different about, you know, having a dinner party with Zoom open on your computer versus like collaborating together in a Minecraft world and creating something fun and playful and yeah. social with your friends. There was a really great study about Twitch, actually, that came out last year. Um, at the end of last year, they, there was a special issue in a, in a journal called Frontiers. It's all open access, so anybody can read it. But it was Twitch during difficult periods. So watching Twitch during COVID reduced loneliness, provided um, emotional support, it provided social communities just by watching, just the sure. presence of watching someone else that you don't even really know. Uh, so games are fantastic tools and they can have a range of positive 
uh, psychological and social benefits. Wow. Yeah, because I know, you know, I was thinking about this more last night, actually, because I was in a party, you know, like nine other people, some of them are in this chat. Um, and and it, it occurred to me, as it does from time to time, right, that I have never met any of these people in real life, <laughs> not once. Right. Um, and yet I talk to them every day, you know, and I yeah. consider them my friends. And I know that when we do get a chance to meet in real life, we'll we'll just pick up right where we left off, you know, right. online and, and have a drink and, and share food and what have you. Um, but it's just... I don't know. I think that's very interesting to me because I think some of the older kind of stigmas associated with this is that hanging out in this way or being online and talking is not the same, right? It's just, it, it, it's a lot of, especially, I don't want to say older people because that's a generalization, right? But I think a lot of people who may not be as familiar with gaming or, or the modern state of it kind of have that feeling. Oh, for sure. And, and it is not even older people because I have a neighbor and I talk about her a lot. She doesn't, she doesn't watch these things, I don't think. Um, uh, her son plays a lot of minecraft and i remember she was like i'm really concerned during covid because he's playing so much minecraft and i'm like that is the best option that is the best thing he could be doing um in terms of worried like i would be very excited that that's uh, drawn to but um yeah i have been to conventions travis and i do uh (laughs) i i look forward to again going to like pack Right. And seeing these people who I know online, who I know on Twitter, who I know here um, and meeting them in person. And it is it's it's there's no like barriers anymore. It's all very fluid. Our relationships between Mm -hmm. online and offline. That's when people say real world and not real world. I really dislike that because it's like online and offline. The relationships don't change. It's just like the medium we're interacting in. They're all real world. One is just a different. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I actually wanted to ask you about the friend making part of gaming yeah. too and the mental health for that, because there's something about being in a chat where, you know, the, fir- the obvious thing is that people usually don't know what you look like. And so it gives you a chance to make friends without having to worry about them judging the way you look or dress, or, you know, if you're maybe a disabled person or you, you don't have to worry about, uh, the certain, the same barriers, which is another thing I want to talk to you about is accessibility yeah. in gaming, which is, uh, I think, I think games are like way ahead of a lot of other like digital, um, kind of platforms, but, uh, the, like the, the, the benefit of, of being able to kind of like get your feet wet with socializing without having to mm-hmm. kind of like go outside and go to a party or a bar or do something that, like to me sounds crazy. Like really, that's how you make friends. You just like go to a bar and you start like talking to people. Like, that's wild. Like, you know, I, I've, I've got to like vet people before I meet them. Uh, you know, I, I played a uh, destiny with this guy for like three or four years. And then the first time I ever met him was at his wedding. He like invited me to his oh, wedding. Wow. It was like a, a surreal experience. It's like, Oh yeah. I was like on Xbox with you in party chat, like the night after you met this girl, like the first time oh, wow. I remember you coming home and played destiny. And we were like, Oh my God. So I'm wondering what the, like, have there been any like studies done or that sort of thing about that sort of anonymity of socializing online and the ability to kind of like pivot those skills into making friends in real life or meat space Mm -hmm. as, as, as we call it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a, there's a whole bunch actually. Um, Online games provide a bunch of social accommodations. So you don't have to worry about nonverbal cues, right? You don't have to worry about what you look like. You don't have to worry where your hands are, how close you're standing to another person. Like all of that is gone. So you can focus on the content of the conversation. Well, the game also accommodates that because it provides a perpetual topic of conversation. If I go to a bar and try to meet a friend and be like, 
stop. Like, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> but if I'm playing a game together, I could be like, oh, let's go over there. Let's do this. We got to do that. Do you have this? Um, so there are a whole bunch of social accommodations that it provides. And actually, they talk about in the research, friendships are made backwards. So in the real world, we meet someone and over time, learn if we can trust them, how much we like them, how much you want to keep hanging out with them. But it's opposite in a game. You learn if you can trust them first. Are you going to help me kill this dragon? <laughs> or are you going to stand in the AOE? Because if you're standing in the AOE, we can't be friends. I'm, I'm not going to spend any time with you. Um, so once we've established trust, we already have like a higher threshold for our friendship to then, to then build up on. Um, I got lost in my tangent. But yes, there's a lot of research looking at uh, the social accommodations of games and also they talk about modality switching. So taking friends online, offline and taking offline friends online. And again, it is very fluid and like going to people's weddings and you have this history, this long history with them, yeah. even though you've never met them in real life. So is that friendship more valuable than any other friendship or is it less valuable? It's often perceived as being less valuable. I mean, to yeah. me, it seems relatively equivalent. Right? Yeah, I agree. I, I think they, they hopefully are equivalent, but yeah, that I, I love what you said there about the uh, the um, wow, my brain just completely forgot what you were saying. Uh, I pick up lines at bars. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. The, the the trust the trust exercise yes. first was was Being what I was attaching yeah. to because I think the way I made friends in real life outside of gaming was through like improv. Uh, you know, mm. I was like in improv comedy, and that that sort of does the same formula, which yes. is like it makes you play trust games with each other repeatedly. Yes. And then you sort of get to know the people after that, like, you know, after practice or whatever, after a show. Um, and like most of my friends in life uh, were, were kind of that thing. Fraternity is also similar. There's like lots of like trust games involved in that. And then afterward you get this. So it, that, that's a really interesting observation. But uh, yeah. I kind of I kind of love that. It kind of explains why I've gravitated toward that. It's like games mm -hmm. and, and kind of putting you in interesting situations with people that kind of force you to build bonds that way. Right. Right. And then you know real quick, whether you even want to bother. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 Let me, uh, also, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. I was going to say it also takes down the barriers of like, you know, maybe somebody's overweight or somebody's a different oh, uh, sure. ethnicity. You're not used to seeing or the, the disabled uh, situation. Like uh, I was, I was talking to a friend this week who told me that only 2% of the internet is accessible and mm -hmm. I was, I was kind of, I guess, not surprised because I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like if you can't see, for example, how are you going to surf the internet? But then right. I started thinking about it and I realized that the games medium, which is way younger than the you know <laughs> world of the internet is way more accessible. Like you, you can blow through a straw and play Xbox. Like that kind of blows mm -hmm. my mind. And the whole uh, narrator feature on by default is becoming like really common. And it's something that you just kind of like, if you're, if you're able to he uh, see things, you you just like learn to turn it off now. But usually, it's mm -hmm. like on by default is something you're seeing. So that that sort of like removal of barriers that might make friendships less likely or might make mm. a person less open minded or th those sorts right. of things. I also think is pretty interesting about this yeah, community. absolutely, absolutely the visual anonymity uh, of the mm. internet. And then what's what's cool about that too? Again, like comparing to you know. Back in my day, we had chat rooms. Um, it's, it's different, right? So even though you can't see each other, your your bonds are just becoming so much stronger. And then, yeah, later it's like, oh, you're older than me or you're younger than me or you're in a different part of the world than me. And yeah. um, that doesn't become a barrier to, to becoming. 
Right. Yeah, yeah that's I, how I that's how I became friends with these old men. That I'm <laughs> right, right. <Yeah. laughs> if you knew they were that old, you wouldn't have talked to them. No. <laughs> I'm right. like, okay, Dad, I'm not playing Xbox <laughs> with you. Yeah. All right, shut up, Junior. Um, <laughs> we're gonna talk. No, but I, I, I think over. taking going further on that point too. I think when I wrote an article <laughs> a couple years ago about my son, which we talked about as well, um, is. Uh, I called games the great equalizer in that vein, right? Because what I found as I did more studies into this further along this point, Travis, is around like because none of these other things that would happen in, or or would have a factor in real world when you're looking at someone for the first time, as uh, Dr. Cote was explaining, is it really just comes down to your capability in that game, like whatever you're playing together, as you said, right? So it's like, if you're, for people like us, Travis, who get really in the competitive side, right? I don't care anything about you other than how good <laughs> you are at this game. If we're playing together, I expect you to be competent. And if you're not, you know, I don't care if you're my brother. I don't need you in my party. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I'd rather have someone who's competent. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's uh, that's another aspect of games I find really interesting as well. For sure. For sure. Um, Do you think there's any benefits from stuff like uh, Game Pass that is sort of exposing people to different types of games? Like... Obviously, there's there's the the low lowest common denominator of like oh I just want to go home and shoot some zombies just kind of like mindless fun. But then yeah. like with games becoming more accessible, maybe now they would play you know a story game that they might not play mm -hmm. or a puzzle game that's sort of like hopefully uh, building like mental acuity uh, in a way mm -hmm. that, that another game might have. So is there is there something to like um, uh, the diversity of games that players now have access to that you think uh, could be beneficial to mental health? Oh, for sure, for sure. And there, there's a big push to um, from indie developers about games that are about mental health, not games for like the treatment of mental health, but games that have mental health themes, things like Sea of Solitude or Celeste or Stardew mm -hmm. Valley and, and these kinds of things. We're seeing really a, a big push in that direction. Like awareness, more more right? Popular. Yeah, like awareness. And it's kind of like unintentional learning right so like um stardew valley is a very good example there's shane if you've played stardew Valley, have you guys played stardew valley Farming yeah a little Simulator? bit a couple okay. minutes yeah. a couple minutes yeah. okay well there's a guy named shane okay and he seems like a real big jerk and i was like who's this guy shane i'm not romancing him he's so rude he's so off-putting but if i'm i'm, I'm a terrible person because turns out he's depressed and if you actually like take the time to talk to him he has a very beautiful storyline about depression and substance um, use and, and substance dependency. And then in the end, if you if you push through it all, he ends up like raising chickens and he's like super sweet and adorable. <laughs> um, so I do think that it can make a difference because that is teaching us different things like, oh, maybe people who have depression have, you know, take a bit more time and patience to like get to know. And, and we learn with Celeste anxiety, there's um, built in mechanisms where there's like a feather and you have to calm your breathing and you tap a like slowly to make the feather go down and it's teaching you about like how if you're having a panic attack like how to calm down so i do think that and then in terms of the game pass i don't have an xbox i know cue the the shock and horror but um <laughs> the clinical director of take this he has a quote he said it a couple times about like it's the single greatest thing that ever happened to games is, is the game pass because it does really just let you have experiences, gaming experiences that you may not, you would no, not normally have, right? I wouldn't right. normally buy this game, but since it's included in the Game Pass, I might just give it a go for two minutes playing Stardew yep. Valley. Maybe give it a few more minutes. But <laughs> it's a great game. 
Let me, um, this takes it circles back a little bit to what we were talking about previously, but I want to get to it because it's a question from Elu, who is, uh, you know, part of Season Gaming, one of our uh, community members. So he was saying with kids needing to stay in more due to COVID, kids may decide that online engagements and gaming with friends is all that is needed. How do we keep and teach a healthy balance to them? Games yep. should be one of many things that we do. Just like hanging out with our friends is one of many things that we do. I mean, we shouldn't hang out with our friends all day, every day, constantly. Um, I think it's about balance. It really is. So what is the utility of the game serving is often the question I ask. What's its purpose? Okay, if it's hanging out with friends versus just um, something to pass the time, right? So then maybe allowing a bit more time because you realize it also has a social component. It's also fulfilling these social needs. Yeah. So playing a little bit more, fine. It shouldn't be the only thing. And also you have to think about things like eye strain like that's legitimately a concern like we shouldn't have a screen this close to our face like for multiple hours in the day we, we need breaks <laughs> yeah. also sitting sitting yeah also it. sitting yeah moving yeah, too. Sure. yeah yeah so i i think one of the oldest stigmas and i know again we talked about this previously but i know you put a video out on it just this week uh was around uh violence in video games right oh, not yes. in video games but video games causing violent behavior and Correct. aggression and and there was a new uh, study that you kind of broke down in the video uh, about that. And it's, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's it just seemed to be kind of further evidence that there's really not a connection here um, that's been, you know, proven that uh, directly that playing video games, whether they're violent or not, has any kind mm -hmm. of direct correlation to uh, violent behavior in real life. Correct. So... This month, when I do my YouTube videos, I often pick a theme, and I've been avoiding video games and violence uh, because I, I feel like, for me, I've, I've talked about it since the beginning of my career right. because it's been like the yeah. thing that the question. But then I realized people still have the question. I was like, oh, so I should definitely make these. <laughs> it's videos. still out there. Um, <laughs> it's still there. <laughs> yeah. So this Wednesday is actually a, a, an all new video, a state of the research, right? It's going to talk about all the research that we have and really the answer is you are correct there is no link between violent video games and violent behavior it has been studied it's gotten the most money the most time the most research the most attention like we have beat the dead horse <laughs> there is no link between um violent video games and violent behavior now i think what muddies the waters is there's research that's found short-term increases in aggression following violent video game play. And I think when people see that, they kind of misconstrue it into a headline, like games make you aggressive. But again, this research is in a lab, it's short term, it's directly after play. Um, and it's usually like a word completion task. Like these research studies are not, you know, play Grand Theft Auto and then follow them out in the world and see if they start fights on the street. It's literally <laughs> like fill in a piece of paper that says K-I blank blank and I put kiss and then I play GTA and then I put kill instead of kiss when I do the same task and I'm like, increase. <laughs> and I know that sounds silly. That is legitimately the methods that are used. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, take that with a grain of salt. I had read that um, there was a, there, there was like some study or something that said that actually the opposite is true that people who play violent video games are less likely to do something because they see the results of their actions like they see oh, the other person get hurt and then they build empathy like oh man i really wouldn't want to shoot somebody in real life because look what it does that sort of thing well um, i don't know if you haven't about seen that, that but i i can see how that could be said i've seen studies talking about like sublimation which is a 
Freudian defense mechanism. So we get out our negative impulses in positive ways. So people who are feeling aggressive or, or violent play these games to get those out in a digital space. So they don't do those things in, yeah. in meat space. Um, so I have seen, I have seen that. So yeah, it's definitely possible. Yeah. Like I, I know for me, the thing that, that always gets me is like, you ever watch like a, a movie or a show where somebody like does something terrible, like kill somebody on accident. And then they have to spend like the rest of the movie, like covering it up and the cops <laughs> right. are slowly closing in on them. And they're kind of like getting nervous. Like I have that recurring dream that like something like that happens. Like, you know, I hit somebody with my car and then I'm, I'm like running away and I wake up like, Oh my God, like covered in sweat. Like I'm so glad I didn't like do that in real life. Actually so, do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like video games are this, like obviously some of it is impractical, like, cause it's so fantasy. You can't really relate yeah. to it, but I know some games where like the, you know, your characters in like a, a pickle, like they've done something awful or they're in a bad situation. They always make me feel like I'm so glad my life is boring. Like I don't, want to, <laughs> I don't want to have to deal with something that's like this stressful and like high stakes. So, Oh man, like, when I get more than two stars in GTA, I'm like <laughs> yeah. to someone else, like get the cops away from me. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine yeah. being hunted by the no. cops? Like that's so, Terrible. that's such a scary no. thought to me. Yeah. Definitely. So the, the test that you were talking about, uh, you briefly referenced around like uh, where they will take a test, play a game, then take the same yeah. test and see the result. So yeah. uh, Kev quickly asked, I wonder if this test would come out the same after intense workouts or watching <laughs> certain movies, right? I Is that the same kind of correlation again? Um, most likely. Yeah. Most likely. I haven't seen it in relation to um, watching movies, but, you know, games are the... I always talk about them as being the latest in a long line of moral panic. So I imagine when like <laughs> film was the height of the moral panic, they probably used those kinds of tests to see um, what impact they would have. By the what if the what if the users take a test and then they go and play a dating sim and then take the same <laughs> test? Would they would they be more likely to fill in kiss or? You just had to insert dating sim somewhere here, didn't you? I, it's a call. It's a callback from last week's episode. I'm just saying, maybe may, have have the studies been done on dating sims effects on the gaming community? Are you more likely to kiss a person in real life if you digitally make out with people in a dating sim? I mean, I can't Isn't say it? I'm familiar. Maybe you Isn't have a PhD question? topic to like. Explore. Yeah. Oh, you know, I walking love... around, you know, in my samurai gear. You know, shortly after you know playing my Ghost of Tsushima game this week, so I think you're okay. Yeah, right. okay. Jeez, man. So we, um, should, we should do a study on that, Doctor. Like, let's you, you can be Doctor Love it. here. Like, let's let's do let's it. Do the SG what, team up. Like, what dating sim would you use? What dating sim game? Oh, oh God, you've opened Pandora's That's box. Sorry, yeah, we really I'm have because this is, uh, <laughs> this is okay. Really okay, just give me like your top. What's your what's your uh, monster prom? Uh, oh, that's a great. A that's a great game. That game. Yeah, that's a great yeah. game. That's like one of the first dating sims because my girlfriend got me into them because she's like all about it. And mm -hmm. and uh, Monster Prom One and Monster Prom Two are both games that a like they they help you like under like because it's all high school archetypes. Mm -hmm. Like there's like a, a dumb jock and like a guy who you know is drugs and does like alternative stuff and and all that. And you 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 start to like build empathy toward people that you never would think you get along with. Like, obviously mm. when I saw the dumb jock right away, I was like, all right, so not that person. Like, I'm not gonna <laughs> romance with them. But then yeah. through, through subsequent playthroughs, because each playthrough is like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 
you have to romance different people. And so you start to like mm. relate to and like people that you didn't think that you would have gotten along with and be mm -hmm. like, Oh, I'm actually glad I did that, that route. They're called like dating routes. Like when you can mm -hmm. try different ones. And so from, from my perspective, I think that that sort of game, it made me be like, Oh, you know what? People are, people are cool. Like even different types that I, that I, that aren't my folks like that. That's right. the only thing that for me. And that one also has like mental health stuff in it. I just think it's, like dating sims are very smart games because they're all just like dialogue and character and yeah. it's not something i would have ever thought that i liked but you know you try new stuff and you learn and uh, it's like we were talking we were talking about it because they put a dating sim on game pass last week and uh oh. some of us in this chat were more open to the idea of playing a, a game where you date cute boys than other people in this chat. Wait, explain it's, it. Explain it properly so she has the context, right? You date cute boys who become your swords to battle with. Oh, boyfriend dungeon, dude! Boyfriend I'm all dungeon. about boyfriend dungeon. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> we've got it all. Come on, you <laughs> all. And it's doctor hate. approved. Yes, it's doctor approved. Yes, take your medicine. That. Take yes. your shots, play Boyfriend Dungeon. Yes, I'm actually oh. going to be streaming that soon. Very nice, soon. nice. Yes. That's perfect, perfect. <laughs> it became a big topic last week, as he said, so too funny, too funny. Come on, um, Dan. Dan. <laughs> yeah, Dan, Dan turned the reddest I have ever seen him last week. <laughs> like, um, we still need to get you to stream it, Dan. I will. I that would be so hot on YouTube, my God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'd be trending number two at least. So I was going to ask you what, um, you know, since we last talked, and obviously the questions here today that we've talked through, what's kind of like, um, you know, the, the thing you're most working on presently, right? Like what's coming up in the next several months for you? Is there anything kind of notable or top of mind that you wanted to touch on that's coming up for either take this or personal work or anything of that nature? Yeah, well, actually, going back to what I talked about when I first came on, I'm actually in the process of creating a workshop. I take this, we do a lot of educational advocacy outreach for gaming companies. And I'm working on a workshop about how to address and discuss this idea of game developers being harassed through social media mm. when people don't like their game. Yeah. Uh, and how to, I would love to hear uh, your thoughts on it. I like, I really like the quote. I wrote it down about, um, you don't know the game better, better than <laughs> me. Because it's, it is becoming a, a big issue. Even, uh, you know, Boyfriend Dungeon, there was a little controversy on Twitter. About yes, there Dungeon. was about the voice yeah. actor, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What's the problem? What, um, so yeah, let's touch on that then because it, yeah. it goes back to, I think, uh, you know, years ago, right? You had no accessibility to the people that made mm -hmm. these games. You know, the game came out, you played it, and you never even knew who made it. Mm -hmm. Um, and just the nature of the environment we live in today in the social space, we have this open communication, and many of us who cover this stuff, write about it, etc. I mean, I follow tons and tons of developers, studio mm -hmm. heads, and have interacted with them. Um, but obviously we're talking more about the, uh, you know, the negative aspects here. So mm -hmm. there's, I mentioned earlier too, just before you came on, I think around one of the issues with the whole halo kind of outrage this past week is, uh, transparency. We always scream that mm -hmm. we want transparency, but when we get it, there's a percentage of the community that doesn't like what they hear. Right. Of and course. then they have to, you know, let their feelings be known about it. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear more about that. Like um, when you first came on, you mentioned about developers really struggling with that, right? And I can only imagine, I was I was trying to correlate that to my work because I, I am in 
application development and project management and all these mm -hmm. things. And I was just trying to imagine, wow, what if millions of people had their mm -hmm. eyes on the work I do? And when we miss a delivery date, which we do all the time, um, mm -hmm. or we have to launch without features, which we do all the time, right? Um, where they had a voice directly to me to let their feelings be known that we had missed these things. That would be, that would be a uh, rough, rough. At times. And I'm pretty, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm pretty, you know, people don't really get to me. Um, if, especially if I don't know you personally. Um, but I can only imagine that over time, that continual kind of erosion, you know, would happen of just being able to, uh, wanting to almost shut it off completely. Right. For sure. And that's what's so difficult. I think there's there's so many elements at play. One is about gaming. We have a passion for gaming. People who make games have a passion for gaming. Most yeah, assuredly. Of course. Um, so you put your heart, your soul into into making these things. And then the Internet's like, nah, don't like <laughs> it. Uh, and, but not just like that, because they're you know, we saw with Boyfriend, they are very, very mean yeah. and cruel on the Internet. People can be. And, you know, there's other people on the other side of that screen. And as the voice actor said, you know, I'm, I know the guy is not a good guy, like, but it's my job and I'm just the sure. voice. And, and it's no different from are, a villain in a big movie. I mean, that's, he's, yeah. you know, they're not really like that person. Irons. It's an actor. Yeah. He killed Mufasa. We still like him. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. And then I, the, the issue too is what do you do as the developer? Because I feel like a lot of times the developers are expected to have a social media presence to engage with the fans. And I think they want to engage with the fans, Yeah, but we also probably don't want to be on the internet if people don't like your game. Yeah. So do you think the benefits of social media outweigh the negative aspects? Cause you know, growing up, you know, at least me and Ains, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just going to date our, it's us two because I'm trying to be nice. Um, so we, we grew up with EGM. We grew up with Nintendo power. We grew up with a magazine that we would get mm -hmm. all of our information from. There was no internet. You know, there was, it was just, nobody had that voice unless you were one of the 20 people that got into the, you know, the, uh, the very beginning of the magazine where they had, you know, the reader letters that were sent right. in right. them, actually. Yeah. Which so, they um, curated ahead of time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, so having all that information, you know, obviously is, is to a certain extent a blessing, but also mm -hmm. brings with it all these negative, you know, comments, these negative attitudes, yeah. you know, do you think the benefits, I guess, outweigh, you know, what we have to see? And I mean, and, and there are ways, obviously, to kind of sidestep some of this stuff, but a lot of people don't. And they just yeah. kind of, you know, they, they say they don't like it, but yet engage at the same yeah. time. So it's one of those weird areas, I guess, in gaming for I me. I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's gray, right? Yeah. It's hard to say whether the benefits outweigh the negatives. I mean... It depends. It's all fun and games until someone wants to cancel you or yeah. Yeah. like what you did. Um, but I think it's important, like the reason that I'm building this workshop and developing it is to give people in HR and give developers like the tools to have like the boundaries. I think it's really important to have policies and boundaries around how do you engage and how do you protect your own mental well-being when people are saying terrible, disgusting things about you or posting your personal information online or threatening to kill you and all these things that are happening. Um, so I think as long as we can continue the discussion about boundaries and how to protect yourself um, and your own mental well-being when this kind of stuff happens, we can mitigate some of the, some of the negatives.
Mm, yeah, I, I think the thing, so so like full transparency, like I have a really, I'm really interested in picking your brain on this topic because I review games for a living. That's like mm -hmm. my, I do, I, I review games for IGN. And when you're, when you're giving a critical opinion of a game, you're kind of viewed as, as being part of like the toxicity or mm. the, the, the kind of like candor in the, in the situation, because you're saying like, Oh, this game is bad and this game's good. And reviews are all about mm -hmm. opinions and you assigning right. like a number score and that sort of thing. And kind of the, the way I, I view it is, you know, don't, don't take it personally. Like it, it's right. a game and, and I'm, I'm not attacking people. I'm saying, you know, sometimes games aren't that good and I'm trying to help buyers make decisions about how they spend their time or right. how they spend their money and that sort of stuff. And so I view it as like very defensive of like the consumer. Like that's, that's who I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help the consumer, but there's also that other side where developers read the reviews and sometimes they reach out to me uh, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for negative reasons. <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes I see developers do the same thing their commenters do which is send hate mail to people who created a thing, right? Like I create a video game review and then a developer reach out to me and be like, how dare you? And I'm like, don't yeah. you deal with this? Like, shouldn't you have yeah. on this one topic? Like, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of crazy, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd be really just interested to hear in your, like, which one do you think? Cause, cause there's two philosophies for game development. There's the whole like unveiling of like a painting, right? Like you painted something and now you're going to share it with the world and you pull off the curtain and you go, <laughs> voila, what do you think? And some people yeah. will be like, wow, that's great. And some people will be like, I don't like it, but at least right. they're getting the full experience because right. what game development has become now is a guy is painting something, his masterpiece. Right. And uh, everybody's watching it happen. And some mm -hmm. people are giving their live reaction going, boo, I don't like what you're doing. <laughs> I don't like that color. Yeah. yeah the, guy, the guy painting it is going, well, I'm not done yet. Like I'm doing the outline, <laughs> you know? So like hold your horses, like wait until you see the full thing. But that's sort of, that's sort of the reality of the situation is some people are saying, well, we want more of that. We want to see more of the process of you painting it so that we can kind of give our feedback. And which one do you think is better a for the mental health of the mm. people developing the game or the mental health of the people who are viewing it and are invested because there is also that relationship of would I rather not know and wait, or do I want mm. updates all the time and kind of like make this part of my life? Yeah. I mean, I think this, that's a very individual question. Um, I love seeing updates of the Witcher season two. It's coming in December. Yeah, I'm yes. excited. Um, but I also have no criticism for that show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I think it depends on the person, but in, in terms of your critiques being seen as part of the toxicity, I think it's important to remember that toxicity and, and trolling this, it's all about negative intent. You don't have a negative intent. You're giving critical feedback. I mean, criticism and critics takes on art um, has existed forever, books, art, video games. Um, so it's unfortunate that it's getting lumped into this idea that you're like in the same pool as someone who's like, I hate you because you voiced the the bad guy in the game. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's like the personal attack, but some people, I yeah. think, view, if you're attacking the game, you're attacking the people that made it and all that stuff. And, you yeah. know, sometimes I have to be really frank about a game like, uh, uh cooking mama all-star like which which i think i gave like a three which you know if you give a game a three on ign it says awful right it says okay. like, this game is awful and so uh the, the the view there is that oh you're thinking the developers are awful and you're kind of like dissing them yeah. and that sort of stuff and you know i'm not trying to diss anybody but like if a game is awful the game's awful and i i hope yeah. that all those developers are okay uh <laughs> 
And in my experience, most of the time, a developers aren't surprised by reviews. They know when a game mm. isn't isn't very good, and when the scores come out, they kind of go, "Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. not surprising to me." Those are the adult ones, though. But some some are take it very personally, especially you know indie developers, where it's like one person yeah. who put their heart and soul into it for seven sure. years. And yeah, it, it does feel and a little bit more personal. I think it's an important point, though, that the developers aren't the game, just like the actor yeah. isn't the character. Like yeah. you're not criticizing you know, person A who works at the studio, you're just as a whole yeah. cooking mama didn't do it for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Never even heard of that game. Yeah. yeah well, you're lucky apparently. I, th I think that I think that's partially due to my review, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The game got buried pretty quickly. Actually, yeah. Nintendo took it off of the e-store after my review oh. published. So you cannot buy that game right now okay. unless you buy it physically. Um, but yeah, that that's that's always like an interesting thing to me because I, I, I just, I, I feel like there's a lot of, um, kind of, um, the, the culture is around like everybody taking it personally and like associating yeah. their identity and their well being with a game or yes. its success or that sort of thing. Yes, exactly. That that's hitting the nail on the head. That's exactly why this is such a tenuous issue because we have surrounded with it the social identity of being a gamer, of being a game developer, it's all intertwined. So it's not so much like what Ains was saying, if somebody complained about your product, like your identity isn't so much tied up into creating this product, but when people you know, get their dream job, right, as a game developer, which comes with often a lot of stress and overwork and underpaid and like other issues going on with it, they put their heart and their soul, you know, I'm a gamer, I love playing games, I'm part of the gaming community, and that community turns on you and is like, you created something that's shite. Like that has a that has an emotional impact. It's not just like, oh, the research report that I wrote up, my boss doesn't like it. It's like right. I put my identity and pieces of me and, and my love for this community into this product and now people hate it. So yeah, yeah, it's hard not to take it personally, I think, when your social identity is wrapped up in your job. So that's another thing we talk about a lot at Take This is like where are the boundaries between your professional life, your personal life, who you are versus what you do, um, who you are versus the products you create. It's all blurry when it comes to game development, which is part of the, yeah. the problems. And I think it happens on fan the fan side too. Like fans sort of attach themselves mm -hmm. and pin their hopes on like a game being good or a product. Mm -hmm. Like there's the whole console where like people are like, oh, you know, I'm a diehard PlayStation and mm -hmm. I'm going to defend them. And if PlayStation's doing well, I'm doing well. And so mm -hmm. I feel like the stakes just get taken up a lot when it's a lot of people's like personal, like, uh, you know, their their hopes and dreams are like on this on the on the table as like a right. well if this game doesn't do well we're all gonna riot and and it's just like okay well it's just a game like right? well yeah well yeah but it's yeah. part of so our identity we we identify with groups right so if that's the group that we have put our identity into then yeah we're we're emotionally invested and I will die on that hill right yeah yeah, yeah. And do does some of this tie? I know we talked previously around like the infancy of the medium, right? Whereas video mm -hmm. games don't have the same level of history as books and music mm -hmm. and movies to a degree. Because as you guys were talking through that, I was thinking, <laughs> gosh, 
uh, I was thinking through, you know, we, we used, at least I, I feel like we used to think the same thing about movies and as the social mm. space has uh, blossomed and, and directors are now more in the, the crosshairs, right? And specific actors. I mean, you think of things like the Snyder Cut or, you know, directors mm. who have had a big, a big IP where they've created a movie and created a movie that they just didn't like, like ju the original mm -hmm. Justice League, right? Mm -hmm. There was a lot of hate thrown around after that movie mm -hmm. released. Um, and it feels like that's part part of the issue is starting, is because of the social space, but it's also starting mm -hmm. to shift to the other mediums as well, purely because of what we're talking about, the social space and the, the access to people you didn't usually have. I've yeah. seen the same thing with bands, right? Uh, whereas bands, you'd usually buy a CD or a tape or whatever record going way back. You go see them in concert, but it's not like you ever had any sort of platform to voice displeasure in a new release that a band has. And now a band puts out a video or something on social media and you have tens or hundreds of thousands of fans or millions of fans instantly mm -hmm. screaming whether they like it or hate it or mm -hmm. what, you know, um, it just feels very different, I think. Uh, and I can, yeah. like we said, I can only imagine what that feels like to uh, to the people themselves, the creators. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I feel like you brought up a Henry Cavill movie just for me. I appreciate it. Of course, it. yeah. You know that you got it. You got it. What's your season two is only a couple yeah. <gasps> December. Yeah. I'm, I know. I'm so excited. Mission yeah. Impossible. I'm just gonna keep bringing up Henry Cavill. <laughs> yes, yes, please do. That's that's the key. Count of Monte Cristo. He's yeah. a kid in that <laughs> one. He's a that he did that when he was a kid. Um <laughs> I have a question for you, completely unrelated. Yeah. Are you, have do you, are you an artist or play a musical instrument? Oh. Yes, I knew it. You know how I knew? <laughs> you know how I knew? No, this I don't is, know how you this know. This is how I knew. Every person who's an artist or plays a musical instrument or both that I know sorts yeah. their books by color, oh. Oh. and I do not understand <laughs> how you could do that. How, or like the logic there. I'm like an alphabetical. Man. It has like to be alphabetical. Very, yeah, exactly. we, we, we need to get into this. It has but to be alphabetical. Our artists and musicians, they sort their books by color. And I'm like, how do you find anything? Because like, I remember, <laughs> I remember what the color of the yes, book is. Yes, you do. Exactly. Okay, I, I can't the, think that way. But anyway. Here's the that's, thing. You remember the color. And for the really, so right here, these are yeah. all the books that, um, Either I wrote or I or I contributed to. So those are separate, what? so I can actually find them. <laughs> These, if it takes me a while, it's okay. It's just, <laughs> but it looks nice in the background, right? Yeah, it's interesting. I just I've I've never understood that, but everyone I know, I just knew. I was as soon as as soon as That's I saw so your camera, funny. I was like, she does art or plays music. You know, <laughs> it's funny with this background. Most people they either talk about the books or they talk about. The, uh, cave Johnson. Yeah, it's hard. Oh, it's hard to see on the cave screen oh. here. But. Oh, it's cave. It's a cave. Uh, cave Johnson picture from Portland. Okay, those are like the two things that people always. Talk you might want to provide yeah. some context there because I don't know who you're referring. Scientist to. from Portland. Very snarky. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> He's like the Neil deGrasse Tyson of his age. That's, uh... Yes. Yes. Nice. So we got a question earlier, just for fun, uh, for you about. Uh, yes. What is your comfort food game? Oh, <clears throat> any old school Final Fantasy. Usually yeah. six is my favorite. We've been over yeah, that. We, of course, um, you're you're wow. you're a woman of culture. We know this. I, 
<laughs> yes. But I like any, any, you know, six and before. I like all of those. That's very comforting. Just, you know, there's no, there's just eight bit music and no voice yes. acting and yeah. Turn-based. And here, here's a question. I don't even want to ask this because oh, I'm, no. sca I'm scared of what you're going to say. But no. do, do, do you play Monster Hunter? And if you do, do you like it? I do not know what Okay, that you're is. good then. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Save yourself the time. You don't know. Okay. It's okay. very, very grindy is my experience. With it is. It's oh, I don't got time yeah. for that. I got three no. kids. Yeah. Okay. I don't have time for it. So no. much. Like I'm, I'm collecting plants and meats and stuff it's and they're having me time. cook. It's just, yeah. I don't no, get it. Yeah. That's too much of a time investment. 20 minute monster fights. I just, no. I can't no. get into that game. I, everything <laughs> about it. I feel like I should like that game, but I just. And yet it just doesn't work. Does it? No. Yeah. I don't no, know. You should think of it as a monster dating simulator dating them with my weapons yes. got it okay right. now i'm interested yeah. so the thing it's missing the thing that's missing and you would know this if you play dating sims dan is it's missing yeah. social links which i'm not i'm not evolving my relationship with this monster uh as i as i attack it it's just not the same you know well you can actually wear them after you're done with them you know you know so wear oh my <laughs> now you're that's coming really, around, Travis. that's a really morbid date <laughs> I, guess, I guess you could do that in a regular right. date but then you know you'd go to jail it's that, not that, that's it's all not i got acceptable. I, I, yeah <laughs> that's the best i can do oh man all right. Uh, so let me ask you, um, you know, we'll, we'll start to wrap up here, but what else would you like to, anything else you'd like to call out? Anything else, um, you know, we should be aware of? Um, and obviously the, your information is in the description or in the comp comments, excuse me, the description. So you can find uh Sightgeist and take this and, and Dr. Covet's information there. So please do. Um, but anything else you'd like to call out before we uh, wrap up? um no i think we i think it was a it, it, we you know boyfriend dungeon <laughs> witcher we got the whole i worked final fantasy six into there so I yeah like, feel like yeah i like the fact that we've we've spoken on video twice now we've gotten final fantasy six in there both times that's both important. times i know that's that important we'll, we'll keep that it's going for sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right well like i said everyone thanks for um thanks for joining us please check out rachel's work um it's uh it's just I said this before, but I think it's uh, the aspects of gaming that don't get talked about enough. And I think, um, you know, we need to do a better job of stop talking about a uh, feature being missing at launch of a game and spending all your energy and time focused on meaningless things like that. Focus on uh, some of these more meaningful things uh, that gaming do for us as a community, as individuals, um, all these different aspects. So, guys, anything else to add? No, thanks for exciting. being here. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very yes, much. Super. Thank you. If there, if there's one, like, uh, sorry, I, I have one more question. No, go, go, go. I was gonna yeah. say, if there's one thing that you wish, like, you know, assuming that this that this uh, show has a has a reach and is reaching some people, what's one thing that you would like more people to know that you feel like they don't know or they don't hear often? When it when it comes to the uses and effects of games, the way games affect us it is more positive than negative or at the very least neutral. And I feel like games have such a bad rap and for people who aren't familiar with them, they still see games as something as a negative energy force in the world. Uh, and that's absolutely not true. More positive than negative. Awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. And yes, thank you sincerely for uh, taking the time this morning. I know you had to move something around. So I hope, uh, 
it was worth it. <laughs> but I, I mean, hope if you it gets it. Dan to play Boyfriend Dungeon, then it's worth it. Dan, you have a whole panel looking at you. It's to play on this Game Pass. Too. It's exciting. Oh, well, that makes it, yeah, that makes it all better. <laughs> After Ghost of Tsushima is finished, okay, I will dabble. Okay, oh, I got, I got to figure out the whole streaming thing because I have no idea how to do it. Yeah, we have, we have a record of it now. All right, ask your kid. Yeah, will help you. Yeah. All right. We are going to go ahead and wrap up. Uh, Chad, thank you for being here. Anyone listening later, like I said, please check out Dr. Coet's work. Um, thank you for tuning in, as always. Uh, this was VicCast 167. And as always, you will find us uh, here every Saturday morning. We hope to see you next time. Peace.